Today we're, uh, we're finishing our series in Habakkuk, The Waiting Room. Um, first week we recognized that the waiting room's coming. Uh, maybe you've already been in it, maybe you're in it right now, um, but it's coming if, if you're not. And we also saw that uh, God is, is okay with us being us. God's okay with us being real and, and being upset and being frustrated with, God, what are you doing? Last week we saw that surviving the waiting room requires us to take a higher perspective and to learn how to be patient. That's hard. This week um, Habakkuk is going to give us the last uh, and most important tools for making it through the waiting room. So let's uh, take a look at the text and, uh, and we'll, we'll jump right in. This is Habakkuk 3, the prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigenioth. Lord, I have heard your reputation. I have seen your work. Over time, revive it. Over time, make it known. Though you're angry now, remember compassion. Habakkuk knows that um, the the bad news is coming. Uh, God's told him what's about to come to pass. Babylon's going to come in. They're going to wreck things. And and this is part of of cleaning out Israel and making making Israel better. But it's going to hurt. It's going to be rough. And so Habakkuk's trying to come to terms with that. Habakkuk's trying to figure out, okay, I'm in the waiting room. I hate this. How am I going to survive? And, and so the first thing he, he does, this is actually a, it's a, it's a poem, but he prays to God. He's, he's, he's I, I've heard about you. I've seen your work. I know it's not going to be right now. I'm asking you over time. I know it's going to take time. I know this is coming, but I, I'm praying, God, that you're going to come through. And what is it that uh, Habakkuk wants God to come through? It's who God has always been for Israel, who God uh, has always been uh, for us. The next thing that's going to happen, we're we're not going to take a look at it, but but Habakkuk's going to remember exactly what God did when God came into Egypt and just blew out the Egyptians. You know, plagues and, and... water being separated and smashing into the Egyptians. And he's like, I know what happens when you're on the march, God. You can do things. I've, I've heard of your reputation. I've seen your work. We're here right now because of you. So bring it back. That compassion there, it's, 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 the, it's the Hebrew for, um, for like taking, for having a pity on somebody and then empathizing with them because of, 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 your, of your seeing that you love them and seeing them hurting. So it's the same compassion that you feel when you look, uh, you know, around here and you know that someone's really going through it and it, you really hurt for them. And Habakkuk's like, if you do that, God, I know we're going to make it through. When you see how bad we're hurt. We, uh, we, we, we got a dog. This is not our dog um, because our dog, uh, this is a different dog. We, um, but this dog has done the same thing that our dog has done. We, uh, we saved money by getting a rescue. Good call. And, uh, Gracie, um, well, you know, the thing was, it was like, okay, if we, get, if we rescue this dog, it's only like 400 bucks and it's tax deductible. It's like, I mean, that's a win, right? We get a dog and it's tax deductible. The problem is, is that, um, the dog has become much more expensive than we thought the dog would be. So, like, for example, um, the dog started chewing on the birds of paradise in the backyard, and the birds of paradise, there's a lot of, there were a lot of them, and it was making the dog have diarrhea. 
So we had to get rid of the, the birds of paradise. Well, I don't know how to get rid of a tree, let alone many trees. And so I paid my gardener. We had a haggling session where he's like, I'll do it for a thousand. I'm like, make it 500. He's 750 sold. I'm like, oh, I'll just, I'll just write that check. No big deal. The dog also um, it was, it's been about a month now, maybe six weeks. But at the beginning, the dog was a huge fan of urinating on the couch. Um, and what she would do is, she, I don't know if you've had dogs, but sometimes what the dog will do is they'll just save up as much pee as they can. And so she'd be outside or she'd be inside and she's saving it up. And uh, then she, I'd be like, oh, Gracie, come up on the couch. Oh, boy, we're having fun. And then uh, I'd start to watch the, the football game or whatever. And, and she would climb up um, on the back cushions and just let it out. Yeah. She did that a few times. Aaron, uh, Aaron was getting very frustrated, very, very confused. And uh, we actually got to a point where we couldn't clean the pillows because the, the urine was like seeping through into the stuffing of the pillows. And so we had to uh, replace all of the, uh, the stuffing of the pillows. And the upholsters in Mission Viejo, they're not giving you a deal. They don't need your business, and so they don't mind just charging you. Whoa, okay, write that check. Dog also uh, eats a lot. So we used to have a small dog where you get like one bag of food and it lasted her for a year. This dog is like just cycling through. Oh, I check for that. Bones, bones are very expensive, and this dog has to chew. Um, otherwise, she's, she has chewed everything in the backyard. It's a great way to get rid of your kids' toys. Um, they're taking up space. They're a waste of time anyway. And so the dog has helped us with that by just tearing them apart. So we give her bones so she won't, you know, take the rest of the, the, uh, the, the furniture out there. That's expensive. And so a, a month ago, you know, Aaron and I were, were looking at, at our finances. And we were just like, oh, my gosh. Like, if this keeps up, how are we going to make I, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, the prices now are higher than they were a couple years ago. Um, and so when I'm, you know, paying like $10 for a, a pound of deli turkey, uh, it's just like, oh, my gosh. So the prices are going up, and, and we got really scared. We were looking at it. We were like, if this keeps up, we're done. And uh, at that moment, we stopped, and we were like, but wait. We've been in way worse circumstances. I mean, this is bad. Don't get me wrong. This economy is rough. And it's, it's taken a toll on us, too. We're, I'm, I'm with you. I feel you. Um, but when we were younger, we didn't know if we were going to be able to make rent. You know, when we, were, when we were younger, we didn't know if we were going to be able to get a car that could fit a, a car seat because, oh my gosh, we're having a child. And it was crazy because when we were younger, we went to this place of absolute dependence. And then, without fail, every single time we were in danger, God somehow came through. Every single time. And sometimes it was this church. I remember many times where people in this church just lent, lent us a hand, wrote us a check, like carried us through. And that's what Habakkuk's doing, right? He's like, he's, he's looking back and he's like, I know, God, I've, I've seen it. I know who you are. This is awful right now, but I will not forget who you are and what you have done. You were faithful then, so I can trust you to be faithful now. It's the first thing in your note sheets. Surviving the waiting room requires remembrance. 
You have to search into your memory, and you need to look back at the way that God has bailed you out before. If you're new to faith and you haven't been, you know, walking with God for a long time, then depend on others who have. Hear their stories. Listen to them. If you're confused, you're like, I don't know what God's doing. I have no idea. You ask someone. Ask, ask me. Ask, ask anyone here. Have you seen God move? And what was it like? Use their memories as your memories. The first thing uh, that, the question that that brings up then is, can you think of a time? You know, we get so focused on what's happening now. Isn't it crazy too how like, like, especially with the media the way that it is, it's like whatever the crisis is of the day, it's like a week later you forgot it even happened because there's new crises for you to worry about. Have you noticed that? What that's trying to do, have you not have noticed this? Okay, so if you, if you pay attention to the news, everyone's freaking out about something. Literally three weeks ago, there was a hurricane that was going to destroy Florida. Have you heard anything about it? It disappeared. It never happened. There's a new crisis. There's midterm elections coming up. You have to worry about that. It's constant. And the reason that the media does that is it gets clicks, gets eyeballs. But what it does is it erases our memory. It erases our ability to look back and see what God was like then and know that he can be that now. So discipline yourself to think back when you're in the waiting room and things look terrible. Look back. Think back to when God came through. And at the very least, at the very least, you start here with Jesus. That's the second thing. You start with Jesus. Man, when you were dead in your sins, when you had no hope, when the world, when you were dead inside, even though you were a sinner, Christ died for you. God came in the flesh, suffered death through crucifixion to save you, to give you life. If God loved you enough to do that, is God maybe going to be able to handle this waiting room? Is God maybe big enough to do that? If God is willing to die for you? So after this bit, Habakkuk's like, okay, I I know God. I'm I'm remembering. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm casting back. And he he goes in this beautiful poem about... um, God coming to Egypt and just and wrecking Egypt. And, and then, and then he, he, he reflects. And so uh, let's look at this. He, he looks back and he's like, I hear, and my belly swishes back and forth. That, uh, I translate that. That's extremely literal. Most translations will be like, uh, my, my, um, my insides trembled. But that, that doesn't, it really literally, the Hebrew is like, my belly goes like this. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones, I think, uh, meaning feeling faint or weak, causing him to tremble as he stands while he waits. Remember, Habakkuk's in in the waiting room, but he knows something bad is coming. And if ever you've been in this situation in your life where you know something bad is coming or might come, you feel it. You feel it. It's a, there's these bizarre physiological reactions. We actually know this now. The neuroscientists have done brain studies uh, on people who are, who are suffering from anxiety about the future. And what's going on neurally is your, your brain is experiencing the horrible thing that you think might happen. And as a result, your brain needs to do something or your body needs to do something because uh, as, 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 as creatures, we have what's called the fight-or-flight response, right? So in danger, we either fight or we run away. That's just how we operate. But when you're in the waiting room, you can't do either. You have to sit there and wait. 
And so as a result, your body has to do something with that because it's, ex- it's pre-experiencing the distress that you're about to go through. And so you'll, you'll know, you, you, your belly is weighs back and forth. I'm, I'm particularly, uh, I, I care about this because I've experienced this so many times in my life where I, I can feel it. My favorite quarterback is, uh, is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And the reason, I, not only is he just a great player and super fun to watch, but um, Josh Allen throws up before every single game. Yeah, he talks about this. It's, uh, he's got this deal where, like, he, yeah, he, he, uh, he's like, he's, he's thousands of fans and he wants to perform. And so just before the game, he's like, Got a picture here. Um, on the right is uh, the 101st Airborne um, about to drop onto Nazi-occupied France. Um, these are the paratroopers who went. And maybe, I'm not sure if you can see it, but if you, if, you can, if you look at the face of the lead guy, he's like looking down. This is like he's look, literally looking out the window uh, or out the uh, door as he's getting ready to jump. And you can see it in his face, the fear. On the left there is uh, Frank Lilliman. He was the very first American paratrooper to land in France. He was the first jumper on, uh, on D-Day. And he, he was in charge of the first plane that came through. And their job was to secure the area so that when the, next, um, when all, when the major force came in, that there would be like, somewhere to land, some infrastructure and whatnot. And so they went about an hour before everybody else. And when he was interviewed after, um, later, he, he talked about those 47 minutes before the next plane came overhead were the longest 47 minutes of his life. And he said, my men were fine because they all had jobs to do. As soon as they land, they went into action. He's like, you guys, you need to set up lights over there. We need generators over there. I need to secure the perimeter. You guys go find there. Uh, there was a, a German soldier who had a 50 cal and was firing it so that he was like, you guys go take care of that. And I, everyone's going there. Everyone has a job then except for him. And he's just sitting there waiting. When you're doing that, you're not going to be okay. And that's okay. People accept, expect a lot of strength out of a lot of us. People expect a lot from us. They, 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 they depend on us. Our kids depend on us. We, but you know something? When you're in the waiting room, it's okay not to be okay. And I know a lot of you here, myself included, have been in the waiting room and boy. Just because it's okay not to be okay doesn't mean, though, that you shouldn't try to do something. You know, try to, try to, to, to moderate or mitigate um, the pain of being in the waiting room. And so one thing that you should think about if you're, if you're in it right now or you have been in it, and as you prepare for it, what, what do you have a strategy? Do you have a way to, like, help... Remain calm. That's the first question uh, that I have here. Um, 
in the past for me, surfing was like the thing. I, should prob- I need to get back in the water. Um, but a lot of people, physical activity is huge for, for being in, the, in the, the waiting room. Music is huge. Um, losing yourself in music. There's lots of different ways. Uh, deep breathing. Slip- There's lots of different ways to help mitigate it. But here's the deal. No matter what you do, it's temporary. And you're still in the waiting room. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't at least try. The next thing. Oh my gosh. When I was deep in the waiting room and I was really, really physically just a mess, um, I, some people would tell me, Tom, Philippians 4 says that you should be anxious for nothing. Um, but what is it? How does it go? But in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will come on you or something that's close to that. And I hated that because I was like, I did. I did. I, you think I haven't been praying? <laughs> Serious? I've never prayed more in my life. It still, it still got me. Doesn't mean that you can't quote the scripture. Just be sensitive when you do. Uh, recognize that the waiting room is brutal. And sometimes what people need to hear is not just pray and everything's going to be fine. What they need to hear maybe is, I love you. And I'm sorry. And I'm here. And maybe sometimes what they need to hear is nothing at all. So here we are, Habakkuk, he's like, okay, God, I remember, I know that you're going to win, but oh, man, oh, man, am I worried because I know that this is rough, what's coming, and I'm, I'm torn up about it. Listen to how he ends the book. This is the ending of, of Habakkuk. He's like, this is what he expects, right? The, the, the fig tree doesn't bloom. So um, when devastation comes, there, there, there won't be figs anymore, and that's like a, a basic uh, element of, of Israel's um, produce. There's no produce on the vine. There's no wine. There's no grapes. The olive crop withers. There's no olive oil or olives. The fields provide no food, probably because they've been salted by uh, the Babylonians. The sheep are off on the pen, so that the meat is gone. There's no cattle in the stalls because they've been taken by the enemy. This is absolute devastation. Complete and total being rocked. And then Habakkuk says this at the very end of the text. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God, Yahweh God, is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. Amen and amen. Done. There is nothing that is crazier to the world than when they see Christians who are going through it and rejoice. Because when you're doing that, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, you're a person of the world, you have no faith, you know, because that's all crazy. And so you're, you're looking and someone's, someone's like, someone's in the waiting room. And instead of just complaining all the time, instead of just being in the dark all the time, instead they're crying out and saying, God be praised. 
Praise you, God of my deliverance. You're my strength. You're how I'm getting through this day and the next, this minute and the next minute, this second and the next second. God, you are good, and you're going to set me up. Uh, the deer bit is um, kind of like how we think of mountain goats, right? Uh, deer were able to go up on, in, in the rocky places that, are, that are, they should just fall off, and, 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 but they don't because they're able to, to, to stand with, with great balance and agility. And, and, and Habakkuk's saying, you're going to do that for me, God. Even though I'm on the rocky cliffs, even though it sh- looks like I should fall off, you're going you're gonna to keep me there. You're going to hold me there. You're going to deliver me. You're going to be my strength. Praise you, God. Even though everyone's starving around me, praise you, God. Even though the Babylonians have come through and destroyed and killed, praise you, God, because you're good, you're going to win. I'm not quitting on you because I know you're not going to quit on me. If you want to see what this looks like, you just did. Rebecca doesn't come to the sermons after she sings because she goes and teaches the kids. But Rebecca, who was standing right there, who was singing, who was singing her heart out, she's just over a year, almost a year and a half now, of, of battling a very aggressive form of cancer. And she's saying, You're the same God. seen Monica for four years four years the Grimm family has been oppressed I was there and holding Randy when he was he had seizures and anger and crazy thoughts Tori's not here today because she's so weak she can't come to church I think Lexi's doing all right Brady, God bless you for being here, man. I know you've been through it too. Here is a family that is hurting, wrecked, questioning, wondering. And what happens every single day? Monica praises God. Lloyd stays faithful, educating and bringing Jesus to the people of Stony Brook, the kids of Stony Brook. Praise God. I rejoice in you, Lord, even though I am walking through it. Now you look at that and either they're crazy or they actually have access to the eternal life of God and they are living it right now. There's only two options. And I know because I know these people, they're not faking it. And they're not crazy. They have experienced a love and they have known a God who is faithful and so they're not giving up. What's crazy about it is, and I know, dude, I know, I know that there's times when Rebecca and Jeff are, you know, in the, the kitchen or whatever, the kids have gone to bed and they're, and they're crying out, being like, God, why? I know that. I know there's times when, when, when Monica and Lloyd are sitting there in bed and wondering, I can't understand this, God, we've been so faithful. And isn't it funny how often the ones who are the most faithful are the ones who are put most through it? I wonder why God does that. I think it's because he's testifying to the world that his love is bigger than anything the world can throw at us. They go through it, and yeah, the belly swishes and sways, and the the lips quiver, and then they praise God. It's the last thing on your notes. 
rejoice. God supplies the deepest joys in the waiting room. That is something the world can't understand. Heck, I can't understand it unless I'm experiencing it. But there are times when you're in the waiting room and you say, God, I praise you no matter what. Marilyn, uh, skip the next slide. I want to go uh, just right back to the beginning. There's one thing I didn't, uh, I didn't mention here. Uh, and I, I want us to go right back to the very beginning of the text. Did you notice this odd thing? Uh, uh, is, that, is that the next one? No, 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 no. Well, okay, it doesn't matter. Just look at that first, at that first uh, verse right there. 3-1. The prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigionoth. What? Shigionoth? What is that? Why is that there? That's very odd, right? Usually there's like an English translation of stuff. Uh, the reason there's no translation of, that, of this is only, this word only gets used twice in the, in the entire Bible, and it's nowhere else in any other um, text from antiquity. So we're not exactly sure what it means. But we do know, and so most uh, scholars, and I, I agree with this, um, think that Shigionoth uh, is actually um, based on the word uh, Shagan. Um, and Shagan is uh, the Hebrew for, like, uh, stumbling around drunk. And when people are reeling with drink, right, when you're really wasted, um, you, you're like, what? And you, and you get loud. And you, you know, you're very da, 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 like this. And we know at the very end of the text that we didn't look at it, but the coda says uh, this is set to stringed instruments. This whole thing is actually a song. I didn't tell you that, but this is actually a hymn that people were playing. But when we think of hymns, we usually think of... That's not what it was. Hymns in, in, the, in the ancient world were very, uh, very upbeat and exciting. And uh, what I think uh, this means is, according to Shigionath, it means something like, um, with deep and powerful expression, really from the gut, scream it out. Just like your, your hammer, your three sheets to the wind, your singing sailor shanties. That's, this is what that is. Like, like really, right, just blow it out. If you want to know how to rejoice in the midst of the waiting room, you got to blow it out. You got to sing this song with Habakkuk and blow it out. Get into it. Move. Dance. Just sing it. Just scream it. And if you have to go to someplace safe because you don't feel comfortable here doing it, that's fine. But the whole purpose of this, of this song, of this prayer, is to encourage people to let it out. And then as you're letting it out, letting it out, letting it out, at the very end you begin, praise God. You're bigger than I am. You know what's going on. I don't. I'm lost. I'm confused. I have no, but, but I've seen your faithfulness and you're the best. You're incredible. You're wonderful. And I'm going to keep testifying no matter what happens. And the world can laugh at me and my friends can be confused by me, but I'm just pouring it out because you are the king. You're the king. Nobody else is the king. And, and I love you. I serve you. You're the king. And then... The waiting room. You get to leave it. For a little while. 
sometimes forever, but you get out. So Coast Bible Church, my brothers and sisters, those of you I know, some of you are going through it, rejoice. Take joy. God wins. The king is still the king. And when this is all said and done, we're going to look into the eyes of our Lord and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. When you could have quit, you didn't. Gracious God and Father, we, um, we're just people. We confess that. But God, as, as we um, are in the waiting room or as we reflect on having been in the waiting room, as we prepare for the waiting room, God, settle in our hearts the memories of when you've shown up. Plant deeply in us a, a recollection, a remembrance of the gift of Jesus, the life we have, the forgiveness we have, redemption. And God, let us be okay not being okay. Let us have grace and space for those who are not okay. And God, somehow, Holy Spirit, pull out of our hearts joy, praise, rejoicing, regardless of circumstance. That we may be a light to the world and receive a little bit of respite from the waiting room. God, pull it out of us. Pull it out of us in, in, in passion. Pull it out of us in, in, in lament and joy in every way. Just let us give it all. Bellow out to you. And God, in that I pray that you'll give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.